most men live lives of quiet desperation. Now he said, this is one of my favorite quotes ever because it's true. I've been that guy. You're just in the world where you just can't wait to run away. And his co-partner in this podcast asked him, how do you think they get stuck there? And his direct response, bills, bills and commitment. You have a child to raise. You have a wife to feed. You have a house to pay for. You have a mortgage. You have this, you have that. And the way you can change is you have to put aside enough money to create a window and you have to have a plan. And then you have to work enough hours outside of your shit job to create your escape plan. And most importantly, you have to come to the realization very clearly that you fucked up and that you got yourself stuck. And whatever it is that you do, you have to do it like your life depends on it. And whatever time that you do have, you have to attack like you're trying to save the world. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, The Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Kyle, aka CK. And it's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. And yes, there's a little bit more seasoning on that, Anwar Ahmed, today. Yeah, roll, your, roll your R's and give me a kah every once in a while, people. A little spicy today. I love it. I love it. Uh, and today we're going to have a quick conversation about something that really hit home. Uh, there was a quote that came through to us recently that we did actually share with all of you as well on our social media. And something about it, it just it, it felt like it needed a bigger conversation. It felt like it needed uh, its own space. So before we do that, though, you know what time it always is. Yo, Coach Kyle, my man. What's going on, brother? How you doing today? How you doing? What's shaking? What's shaking? What's shaking? What's on? Um, How's my mood? I was thinking about this before the podcast because I definitely didn't feel like I was in a good one, which is hilarious. So then I started to think about how can I be in a good mood? for this podcast. And we spoke about this before, you know, I think I just woke up and I was irritated. I just woke up feeling irritated. And that's, I think that's how my mood is. You know, I, th- and I you know, I, I work through these things so fast, so I don't give myself the chance to acknowledge it. It's something that'll be part of the conversation today is just how future focused we are as men. But that's where I go so many times is like, okay, cool. You feel this way. All right. What's next? You know, like it's, it's so rapid. I don't give myself the open space to feel all of it. You know, I don't give myself a container to do so. And that's on me, but that's sometimes what I do. So I've moved beyond it. So now in this moment, you know, we're having laughs, we're joking around, we're having a good time. I feel great, mm-hmm. but I don't know what I did with the irritation. 
you know, I don't know where it went. It just, I just, I just said, I said, poof. And there, and then it was gone, uh, which probably isn't the greatest way to navigate some feelings. And I know it's not, uh, but it's just crazy how fast unconsciously just moves through me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm irritated. Cool. Get to work. Right. Oh, I'm irritated. Okay. Got, you got things to do though. So let's go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I think that like that also highlights some of the reason why most of the times I'm just, I just feel like, yeah, I'm in a good mood. Cause I just like, I just push past whatever that thing is so quickly. Right. Like I'm like trying to get back to that, that optimism or the positive, like, you know, when I, I get into a bad mood that actually like decimates me, it's something that like, I'm like, Oh wow. Something big happened. But like little things, I just don't live in them long enough to even like acknowledge them. It's just like, it's there, it's gone. It's there, it's gone. It's there, it's gone. How are you doing? Good. How are you good? I'm good. Yeah, I moved past that. That was that was a that was a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I definitely resonate with that. I think that you know, for me, September. I've always, I think I've said this maybe before on the podcast. September and January, they make me feel stuff. Like mm-hmm. they're two new months to me. Like they always feel like a turning of a page. They always feel like new challenge, new chapters. There's like this aggressive weather switch. Like I'm in a hoodie. If you're what, like if, if you if you see a snippet of this, like I'm in a hoodie. I'm in like flannel. Like it's you know something's changed. We're not wearing shorts no more. We're in sweaters. You're like whoa. Like your environment literally changes. The temperature literally changes, and you're just like you know something is coming for you. Um, and so for me, every time I get to September, it's always like what have I? It's almost a reflection of the year, even though the year hasn't ended. It just hits me like that. Mm-hmm. Hard conditioning from school, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like where I'm at. I, I genuinely can say I like where I'm at. You know, you put a plan together and you try to execute it as best as you can. You put in the reps, you go as hard as you can, and then you hit a reflection period. And sometimes you get there and you're pissed. Sometimes you get there and you're you're mad at yourself or you're mad at the environment or you're mad at, you know, whatever the circumstances. And sometimes you get here and you're like, the plan's working. Mm. Like things are moving forward, you know? And um, I think it's, it's, it's a combination of like me, not, I've always been able to set a plan, but I always haven't been the best character within my own plan. Mm. You know, like I haven't rolled out the best version of myself within the plan. You know, and the plan have always been, the plans have always been great. The structure has always been there. Great goal setter, like all these things. But the character within those plans has been faulty at times. You know, mm. I haven't maybe fully committed. I haven't had the self-discipline. I haven't had, you know, I've always had hard work, but, you know, did I work smart? You know, so there was a lot of character development within, you know, me going from 18 to 30. And I just think that like, I'm finally becoming the character that can execute the plan. And now that I've been in the seat long enough to, with the with you know all, all the self-development all the self-awareness and the plan that's always been there it's actually progressing finally you know uh in its small little way um i think gratitude and perspective also changes your ability to see the plan differently too and actually recognize that it is progressing um mm-hmm. and not just be looking at the finish line but staring at the journey itself and so um i sit here today and i'm just you know it's like very fall feeling outside um and so I had a very reflective kind of like morning. It's Sunday. It's usually a very chill day on Sunday. And so I sit here and saying, I'm happy with the progress. I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, I think that I, I just need to stay in this seat and stay disciplined to the plan that I put in place for, you know, a little bit more time. And hopefully I can start starting to come out of what I think was like the struggles of the twenties, that discovery, that figuring yourself out, that all of that, um, I think it's starting to turn its head. So 
yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited about where I'm at right now. Mm. Something that I want to ask, because we haven't actually spoken on it since we had that conversation, but in one of our, I think our last podcast or uh, just a conversation you and I had, you said, I have a lot of tabs open. There's a lot of tabs open and it's, and it's tough. I, f- I feel overwhelmed by how many tabs are open since that conversation. Now I feel like I'm getting a bit of a more, uh, what feels like less tabs open Anwar. Uh, and so how did you go about that process? And do you feel like you closed some tabs? Do you feel like you went through that? Um, and how did you manage that, that feeling that over that overwhelm of having all of those tabs open? Mm-hmm. No, you know what? Those tabs are still open. You know, my mind is still very busy. I'm still very overwhelmed by the process, but it's, it's like one of those times where, you know, anybody in a professional setting can relate to this, where, you know, you're having a meeting with your boss and you have all these meetings, right? Like all these meetings, work-related, work-related, tab-related, tab-related, they add more tabs, they take away tabs, it's stressful. And then your boss calls you into the meeting, uh, like randomly in the middle of the month and he's like, hey, let's talk about you, man. How are you doing? You know, like it's, it's not necessarily about the tabs right now. This reflection had, it was like life in general, bro. Mm-hmm. Big picture. Let's get out of the tabs. Overarching, m- macro, how you feeling? Like, you know, and when I think about my life from that perspective, I'm like, yeah, man, things are moving in the right direction. Things are good. Like, you know, then I close that tab of macro and I go into the micro and I'm like, it's a mess down here. Like the day-to-day tasks and all this stuff. It's like, it's there. It's very stressful, but I think it's important to, you know, Gary Vee always talks about being in the dirt and being in the clouds. It's like, it's important to mm-hmm. get into the clouds, look at it from a bird's eye view. Hey well man, said. it's not that bad. But then you get back into the dirt and you're like, damn, this is tough down here, man. Like, you know, and that's the daily grind versus the, you know, the big picture. And I think that when you're able to think at both levels, you give yourself mm-hmm. a chance, you know, because if you're only in the dirt, it's hard to every in the dirt suck, man. You know, mm-hmm. if you're only ever in the clouds, and you don't put in the day to day work, you lose sight of what it takes to get there, you know, so I think that perspective of having both and having landmarks for me, I always get into the clouds in September and January. I know that's mm-hmm. the time where I'm in the clouds. I'm always like, what does this look like, man? What are, what are we doing here? Like, you know, but you have to give yourself enough time of dirt to be able to like actually like measure, you know? Um, and so Love that. that's such a great quote. I, I missed that one. I forgot about that one. The clouds in the dirt. So it's such a great perspective shifter. Cause it's, it's just recognizing like he never says be only in one. And I think a lot of times uh, ideas start to begin to flourish and you're like, yes, beautiful. I love an idea. And then ideas just live in the clouds, but executing the idea or on the idea and actually moving the idea in a direction is the dirt. Cause you got to start to put in the work and you know, it's very much like that emotional cycle of success. I talked about one, uh, one of those episodes. It's like, you're going to have to be in the dirt. You're going to have to, and that's okay. I mean, you know, we played in dirt when we were kids and we loved it. And all of a sudden we're adults and we hate the dirt, you know? So it's like getting back to that mindset of, yes, this is going to take this, this, this space. And, and, but you can still live in the clouds, like have the vision of the clouds, still look up every now and again and be like, oh yeah, that's right. That's where I'm going. Don't get lost in the dirt. Just like you don't get lost in the clouds. Love that quote. So today's conversation to, to, to navigate this together with all of you in the audience, today's conversation comes from a post that we shared by Joe Rogan. It was a reshare from one of his podcast episodes and something about it just landed in a way that hit home, hit home harder than most things do. And we've had a conversation about this and it was just something about the way that he presented it and how simple it was. 
So I'm going to share, I'm going to read uh, basically everything that he said. I'm going to share what he said and the process he went through in 60 seconds. And then we're just going to have a conversation about it because I think a lot of you listening are going to resonate with it. So Joe Rogan, he said this, he said, most men live lives of quiet desperation. Now he said, this is one of my favorite quotes ever because it's true. I've been that guy. You're just in the world where you just can't wait to run away. And his co-partner in this podcast asked him, how do you think they get stuck there? And his direct response, bills, bills and commitment. You have a child to raise. You have a wife to feed. You have a house to pay for. You have a mortgage. You have this, you have that. And the way you can change is you have to put aside enough money to create a window and you have to have a plan. And then you have to work enough hours outside of your shit job to create your escape plan. And most importantly, you have to come to the realization very clearly that you fucked up and that you got yourself stuck. And whatever it is that you do, you have to do it like your life depends on it. Whatever time that you do have, you have to attack like you're trying to save the world. letting all of that settle for a second. There's a lot there. And as you can tell, there's a lot to to navigate on a personal level. And I remember when you sent this to me, right? And I was just chilling, hanging out. And and Anwar likes to smack me with some truths every now and again. And he sent this post to me directly. And I listened to it and I was like, whoa, whoa. Because the very first line, is I think what hit the what hit the quickest was most men live lives of quiet desperation. And it was the word desperation that got me desperate. I'm living a desperate life. And I, was, I, I, I couldn't comprehend it in the moment. I just, I could feel the truth in that. I could feel that there was this desperation, this constantly evading idea. Like everything is evading me. Like I have to, I keep seeking something. I keep reaching for something. I keep working for something and I don't know what it is, but it keeps evading me. I work hard and it evades me. I work harder and it evades me even more. It's like this, this carrot on a stick that gets longer as you work harder. It's so wild to me. And so then it made me think about, okay, well, that was, must mean I'm, I'm desperately running. Like I'm desperately moving in this direction that I don't even really know fully what it is. So that's how it landed with me at first. Most men live lives of desperation. What piece hit home for you the most? Because I know there's like five different components we're going to pull out of this, but which one out of like the whole piece did you like, you had you saying, whoa, what happened here? I think it's funny that you said the word desperation because the word that stuck out to me was quiet. Mm silent suffering right and that to me is what makes the 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 quote and the whole the whole the whole thing more masculine you know it's the quiet part technically a lot all of us in life have a bit of desperation right we're all trying to work towards something like we all have something that we're desperately trying to work towards or we're trying to achieve like the word desperate doesn't turn me off as much as the word quiet why do Mm. we have to be quiet about it Right. It's because it, when we say words like quiet and silence, what I hear is I have to hide my truth in order to get something. 
it's like the truth can't be honored based on the, 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 the vessel that I'm in because I'm a man. I can't, I can't say the trouble. I can't say, I can't talk about the desperation or I feel like I can't, I probably can, but I feel like I can't. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's not to, you know, take away from what he's saying, bills and commitments and relationships. And these are all things we're trying to work towards. It's, it's a part of the fight that we're working towards, right? But why does it need to be quiet? Because quiet also implies that it's not being recognized by anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think it just takes me to a place of like, how much is this contributing to the suicide rate then? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the, like the quietness coupled with the desperation. Like a desperate life that's lived quietly in, in the shadow, in the, in, in the background, in, in no man's land. And what I love is that he literally says and he, he admits that he's been that guy. And in, in that process, he says, you have to come to the realization very clearly that you fucked up. And I think... I never, I probably did at one point, but I can't remember it clearly enough where I had to sit back and, and say to myself, what the fuck is going on here? What's happening? What, what, what is going on in my life? And that's why this quote hits home because I've been that guy too. I remember working at the restaurant and working there countless hours in law. Like I've shared this story before, but I just, I was working my life away and I was good with it. Like I felt good. Like it felt like it was what I was supposed to be doing. There wasn't really like a pressure to stop doing it or it felt like there was the wrong decision. It was, no, this is what you do as a man. This is what you do. And so I kept at it and I was working and, you know, trying to get this promotion that was a constantly, again, evading me. These things were evading me, but I was working to them and it was tumultuous. And even when I made the decision to say, no, I'm done with this. I left that and then still fell right back into that trap in a different place. It didn't change because the mindset of what is required of me as a man, quote, quote, specifically what is required of me as a man lived and lives deeply inside of me. It is a deep belief. It is not some thing that I've made up or that has come out of nowhere. It is a deep belief that there is a specific thing I am supposed to do. And the specific way I'm supposed to operate as a man in this world. And in that space, it literally says in this quote, I'm going to have a wife to, to, to feed. I'm going to have a child to support. I'm going to have a mortgage to pay. And if I'm not ready for that, where's my value? Right? So there's the quiet desperation. Like I'm quietly and desperately trying to get to this space and I have to work my ass off for it. And then literally now he's telling me in this quote, you got yourself stuck. You fucked up. And I'm, I, I just, I, I can't believe the simplicity of it all. I'm just le- realizing to myself, damn, bro. Damn. It's funny too. Do you ever feel like I, I, I was just about to say before you, before you go, I, I feel like it's my fault, which I know is sounding like I'm deflecting ownership, but the, the conditioning is so deep. The beliefs are so deep that it, the hilarity of it all is that I was still doing my best, you know? I was all doing my best with what I was given, but reflecting back on it, it's like, damn, were you though? <laughs> it's it hard because then I start to take blame and I start to guilt myself for it all. I think what's I think what's funny, not funny, interesting about this conversation too is I know many guys who would rather be stuck in that situation than their situation. Mm, what do you mean? 
wife, kids, like oh, they already family, have it they right. have it and they're mm-hmm. stuck, right? So we're talking about men who are in the environment that a lot of us are trying to create and they're stuck. Right. We're ignoring the guys that can't even get that. Mm-hmm. We're stuck in a different game. So we're saying in both games, there is this desperate, quiet desperation. If you don't have a wife and kids, you also are still feeling the pressure of, I need to make finances. I got to look a certain way. I got to do all these things to get that. Then you get it with whatever plan you've put together to get that. And then you can still live a desperate, quiet life of suffering. And um, it just, it just shows, it just sheds light on like that deep rootedness that you're talking about. If you look at it, you're so, we're so deeply ingrained to believe we need to be a provider. So we do whatever it takes to become the provider. Mm-hmm. We don't strategize around how to do it the, the way that aligns the best with us or mm-hmm. the way that you know, feels good to us, right? So you start the game of like, I gotta be a provider at like any cost, mm-hmm. right? You play, you start the game that way, self-sacrifice. Then becoming a provider, you end up manifesting like, uh, a woman into your life, maybe some kids, or maybe a mortgage. You start, you start ticking off the boxes that are all validating your manliness. Great, I got the high, I got the wife, I got the kids, whatever. Then now you're stuck with a job that you only got to get the girl because you didn't actually care about that job, right? And then now you're stuck. So how long have you been in this quiet desperation without any personal input, any personal self care, love, appreciation throughout the process, right? Because we're just racing to try to fulfill this idea of being a man mm-hmm. only to get to a place of quiet desperation. I, I encourage you to reflect on that like deeply. We're in a rat race to get to a point that Joe Rogan is saying you get here and you realize you fucked up. <laughs> so the point that most of us are trying to get to if you do it incorrectly, it's still going to feel like you fucked up and you're more stuck. Mm-hmm. It's a game. You know, we're, we're playing this game where there, there is an infinite amount of levels. Like you, there's no winning. You, you can't complete the game because at some level, the game is rigged. There will be a point in the game where you can no longer win. There is no winning on that side of the equation if you're playing that specific game. And it's hilarious. I can hear the chants and the the backlash somewhere in the background that says, well, like, I don't understand where you guys even feel that. Like, I don't understand why you guys feel that pressure. I don't put that pressure on men. Or um, what are you guys talking about? We don't have to do that anymore. Aren't we talking about how men don't need to be the provider and, and, and don't have to be this, this stature? And it's like, yes, those conversations are being had. But the deep-rooted conditioning and the belief systems haven't changed. Like nothing, nothing has changed. And to be truthful, let's make sure we're truthful. That's still something that is deeply desired in us. We need to, we need to validate that truth. We need to express that truth. No, it is not hundred percent of people, but yes, it is still a ton of people. And the way that I know this is social media, right? Social media is a powerful place. It speaks a lot. And there's a lot of truth that is actually portrayed on there, even though a lot of people are saying, you know, it's a hatred place and I don't like it. And people hate. Yes, but that's truths. There's truths being shown everywhere. And there was a post that came across my space that um, was provocative and purposefully provocative. And it said, put these in order of what you want in a man. 
and the four, there was four options. I think it was uh, personality, looks, character, and money. There might've been one that was different in there, but those are the basics. And it was just a, a, a wild experience to read through those comments because what, what I don't want to say is like, if, if that's what you want, that's fine. Like live your life. If, if you want a man who's going to provide for you, sure. But know the consequences of that, you know, like know the consequences of what that means because the money game never ends. The money game never ends. There's always more to get. And the amount of people in that post, and I, I think it's fair to say that there was a majority of women, I mean, when looking for men, had money in the top two. As if, and it was just wild to me. And there was someone who wrote a specific post that says, yes, I want my man to provide for me. What's wrong with that? And we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what we are saying is we can't do everything. We, we, can't, we can't do it all in the sense of, yes, we'll make all the money and yes, we'll work our, our buns off and, and yes, we'll, we'll work and we'll, we'll, we'll achieve and we'll provide and support and pay for everything. But that's going to come with a cost. I probably won't be present. I probably won't be around as much. I won't be able to give you the time you also want. I won't be able to give the other side as much if that's what is your biggest priority. I won't. And that is a reality that what you'll have to face because there's only so much that I will be capable of doing. And what this whole idea creates is something that I live in more often than I would like to admit is this future mindset. Like I, I, even if I wasn't in that position, I'm sorry, even if I was in that position of being with a partner who, who wants that, I still find myself constantly looking forward. Like I'm, I, I'm not here because I'm worried about what's next. What's tomorrow? You know, like the emotion that I expressed this morning, what's tomorrow? How am I achieving more tomorrow? How am I achieving enough later today? What is the plan? How does next week look like? What's my work schedule? Can I work around that to make more money? Can I plan this to do that? What's five years? Like I'm, I'm always somewhere in the future, never really in the past. I'm always in the future because I'm worried because I'm worried that if I don't get that or achieve that or obtain that, then I will not be valued anymore. Because as if who I am today is not valuable enough. So if I'm not doing a good job right now and I'm not making the money that you want me to make, I'm not valuable. And especially on a societal level, if someone says, hey, like, what are you doing in yourself? And like, how are you navigating things? And, and if I don't feel like I'm matching what they want me to say, then I definitely feel less of a man. And I definitely feel less worthy. And I'm definitely not going to get the partner or the, or the house or the whatever. I'm not going to get those things. So it's this cycle, this, this, this perpetuating cycle that we live in. Um, and it's just wild to me that, that there's, there's these expectations that are so high that are placed on us. And, and at the same time, not a lot of realization of what that's going to cost. What we're not going to be able to do. Talk about and, a catch 22. And, and you can hear it in my, in my voice, right? Like I don't live in that space now, but I have, and I have felt that. And I still sometimes feel that even though it's actually not something that's being placed on me, there's no pressure on me in that space. My current partner has no desire for that, none. And yet somehow I still fucking feel it. And that's the absurdity of it all is that the, it, it's not just if it's there or there, it's not, it always is. And it's hard. 
And that is where the quiet desperation comes in because admitting that it's hard is not allowed. Admitting that I don't want to do that is not allowed. Like there's only one route to go and that's hard. It's fucking hard. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, it's, you accomplish one thing on one side and then now you're getting complaints from the opposite, right? It's, you become this provider that is desirable. And then now you don't have enough time for the family. You're not mm-hmm. a good father. You're not a good husband, but I did the businessman thing. Like I figured that out and that's how we got here in the first place, right? Okay. I'm not the, the best businessman, but I'm a good father and I'm a good husband, but I'm not desirable because I don't, I don't have the finances. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know? I think another thing that we, in our brainstorming session, when we were talking about this conversation, I think it was the parallel between this Joe Rogan video and this other video we saw with Chris Rock. And I think that that's the video that actually explains the provider complex we struggle with so much. At the end of the day in life, we all are just looking to be loved. We just want to be loved and accepted and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock in the stand-up set says, only women, children, and dogs are loved unconditionally. Men are loved under the condition they provide something. Let that sink in. We just want to be loved, therefore we provide. Mm-hmm. And we do it as best as we can. But then the obsession with the providing is causing us internal conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the worst part about it is that even when you want to step away from it, like you're saying, when you want to say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm a human. Like I, I'm a human first. Like I have a personality. I have a character. I'm more than just a provider. You try to step away from that narrative you give your social media three scrolls and it's just, I want a man who could do this. I want a man who looks like this. And you're like, Oh damn, my bad. I thought I, I thought I could be human. No, no, no. I gotta do, I gotta do these things. Like I gotta do this. This is how I get to the next chapter. And there's just, what's not spoken about is the, is the backlash of that energy that we feel that's just living in the, in the world. And it's not to say that all women are speaking like this, but And it's not even to say that women who do speak like that occasionally when they meet someone and they, maybe he's not financially secure, but his character does overshadow like that desire that you're looking for, for money, right? She might change her tune. She might go, yeah, you know, I actually like this guy a lot. We'll grow with him. But what we're really saying is the door doesn't look open from the outside, (laughs) It doesn't look like a warm, even though you're a good person and yes, you would maybe buy into my humanity and my character if we had a conversation. I don't feel like I can have a conversation with you based on how everything has been laid out, right? So it's like, there's almost this barrier to entry for us men to even feel like there is love on the other side. We feel like our love is predicated on this provider complex that, You know, a lot of us ask the average guy, say, hey, that girl right there, why wouldn't you talk to her? I don't think I'm this. I don't think I'm this. I don't think I'm this. There's no point of even starting that conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. One could argue if you did talk to her, maybe she'd like her personality and whatever. But 
conversations only start based on motivation, confidence, and lack of self-doubt, right? There is so much self-doubt in us as men based on the definition of what a man is. Mm-hmm. And so we're not even going to entertain the conversation. We're not even going to get there, you know? And I think the rebuttal is, I, you know, the rebuttal from a woman would just be like, I wouldn't be like that. Like, yeah, I think money's important, but like, if you have a good personality and like, you're a good father, you treat me well, then, but the, but what you're not noticing is that your aura doesn't say that. Mm. Sure. Maybe I could get there if we talked, but your aura and the society's aura of what you want from us doesn't exude that you would accept me when I'm down bad. Mm -hmm. Cause we can't share that either. Right. Like, and, and as soon as we get into that space, it's, it literally feels like it triggers like the deepest of insecurities. Because right? the worth is tied to the achievement. The worth is a tied to the obtaining of the what, the what we have and what we don't have. And because it's our worth is so deeply attached to things outside of ourselves like this, then as soon as something like that leaves us, you know, there's so many stories about how a man was down and out. And yes, he may or may not have been really pursuing anything beyond that and still trying to be resilient. Sure, that can definitely play a part. But at the same time, like we have those moments. You know, at, or like we keep talking about the human moment of being down and out, of having a tough go. And, and in those moments, so many times uh, we live quietly in that space. We don't want to share because the caveat to the sharing is judgment. It, it, I have this, had this big conversation. This adds to this conversation today. Um, I was speaking to my audience socially and I was saying a man will only open up in a space where he feels safe to do so. And I got frustrated because it was definitely radio silence from this post, which is not something that's usually the case. And I called people out and I said, Hey, it's interesting. Hey, you know, a man supporting another man. It's wild, isn't it? People supporting men and their ability to, to be a human. And sure enough, people started to comment. People started to, to message me and DM me and give their opinions. And no one really rebuttaled it, but the hilarity of it was, well, yeah, you know, men need that space, but, but everyone needs that space. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm not speaking to everyone. I'm speaking to men because men are not opening up. And I don't know if you've noticed, but because they're not opening up, they're taking their lives. So that's the conversation I'm trying to have. And the, the reason that I bring that up is because I think that there's this, this, this interesting, interesting perspective right now where a lot of people are trying to live in a new age, new age mindset. We're trying to live beyond the traditions. They're trying to live beyond everything that has been our history. And that's beautiful. But we're, we're just putting Band-Aids everywhere. There's just a bunch of Band-Aids being placed everywhere in hopes of being that. But we're not actually attacking the deep-rooted beliefs and the societal systems that have created this. We're not going against that. It's like the, the conversation we're having about men being vulnerable. Just be vulnerable. Just, be, just open up. I really want a man to share all his feelings. Okay, are you ready for that? Are you ready for me to do that? Because from my experience, you're not. Because I feel judged. I feel guilt. I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable because my feelings are being attacked as if I'm not allowed to have them. But then you want me to give them to you. And in this process, I got shared, my partner shared with me this woman who is literally holding a course, a podcast, sorry, with a guest. And the the caption of it is, are we ready for vulnerable men? A woman was doing this. 
not a man, a woman, because she realizes that this is a problem. This is a challenge we're facing. And this is what I'm saying is that the, the beautiful cloud ideas that we have about wanting to be, you know, beyond all of these things are great, but what are we doing about it? How are we actually trying to get there in the day-to-day life? Are you actually holding a safe space for your partner? Are you actually challenging your own conditioned narrative that he needs to provide for you? Are you challenging these narratives in yourself? Are you trying to fight against them or are you just living on autopilot with them and liking the idea over there? The execution is what's lacking, right? And how it manifests in this world. We are having conversations, but how are they manifesting? How do they look? It's cool to talk about us opening up it's not practical for you to not hold a space for me to open up to. That's like having step one and three and missing step two. <laughs> open up, find internal peace. Big step two in the middle though, missing. Like I need a place to open up, right? The reality of that place. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. I think we like to men, think we are. Yeah, I think men still deeply feel like we might have come a long way of feeling like, hey, I think there is a power in vulnerability. I think we're coming over that hump. Hey, maybe being more in tune with my emotions and you know, actually laying out what I want as a roadmap, right? Is important in planning a life. You know, what do you want in this lifetime? Not just what do you want to attain, but what do you actually want? Mm -hmm. Um, And then going after and obtaining things based on your actual deep-rooted desires personally. You know, and that takes a lot of going inward, right? Which we talk about on this platform all the time, Mm self-awareness. You know, what what actually fills your cup up? You know, get off the hamster wheel of society and what do you want? You know, when you speak, is it your voice or is it conditioning from a family member, society, you know, past failures, past rejection? Are you just trying to become something to overcome an insecurity and validate something in yourself versus this is what I actually want? You know, Mm -hmm. these are tough questions to ask yourself. And, you know, one thing I I, I will also add to this, uh, you know, this conversation of men and women and all this kind of stuff is this going back a little bit to the not feeling loved, if, if you haven't been loved for a long time, if you are an individual who's been on this hamster wheel and you've been just trying to become the provider, you've just been trying to get to a point where you could feel embraced, feel loved. You know how much harder that is to, to be in that place and pick a partner based on building something and this is just kind of coming to me in this conversation it's we're, we're talking about a lot of like these dual income households right and like these dual we're talking about trying to mm-hmm. unpackage all of that right right if you're a man and you've gone the last 10 years of your life you haven't felt loved and what you really want in a partner is someone who's very nurturing like very like you're trying to almost like create that like i've been so exhausted i'm looking for someone who can take care of me right and then what comes in what comes in those accounts like take care of me you know like can maybe like cook clean can like take care of the home like your desires 
based on your struggles might be different. Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes when a man is saying like, I am looking to feel like I'm looking for a partner that can like cook for me or clean for me. And like all of those things, we're really speaking from a void, like not a putting you in a box, but like we haven't had any of those things for however long the struggle of becoming this provider has lasted. Right. And what you see in the turning of the page is you're seeing a lot of, and this is going to be kind of leading to what I think is what I think the conclude what my findings in this and how I'm trying to change this narrative is there's men out there who have found self-love, who have found how to take care of themselves. And they're attracting the women who are like, Hey, I don't actually need you to take care of me. I'm good. Like, mm -hmm. well, like you want to be a provider too? Like, let's do this. Like I'm, I figured out the cooking thing, the cleaning thing. Like I'm good. I figured out how to take care of myself. I figured out how to do all those things. And now I'm actually, you know, I'm in the market looking for a partner who, you know, I don't need her to do those things per se. We could just kind of build together. And this is kind of where the life is going, right? Like this is kind of the new, but it takes men actually figuring out how to love yourself and take care of yourself in order to get there. Right. Which is, we're saying, Hey, you should do that. Mm -hmm. you, should, you should, you should do that. You should start taking care of yourself and not putting so much pressure on the women to be that for you, you know, be it for yourself. And therefore you can now pick a partner that is based on, but when we go back to what Joe Rogan is saying about being stuck, it's this idea that you aren't taking care of yourself and therefore you become such a provider that you attract someone who is like, I'll just take care of you. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Right. And then what happens there, the, the provider complex you get stuck with mm -hmm. now you're stuck. Right. Cause you right. live the idea that you need to be a provider. So you attract someone who does want you to provide. Exactly. And you live in that mindset. Stuff. Yeah. And you, you unconsciously do that too. It's just a thought pattern, right? It's the belief system. The more you think about something, the more likely you'll attract it. And the more you are processing this idea that you need to be the provider, cause that's what people are telling you to do. But somewhere in, in you, you're like, nah, I don't really want to do that. But that's not the louder voice. Well, then you're going to attract someone in, into your life that wants you to be that role, that wants you to fit that exact role. And, if you, and, and that's going to be the repetition until we change the thought process, until we change the thought patterns and the belief systems. But we will continue to attract this and we will continue to put all this energy. And then uh, at the, on the other side of things, because again, like what this conversation is not doing is it's not blaming anyone because there's a grander, there's a grander problem happening, right? This is not a, a, a problem between one and two. This is, this is a challenge that we face on such a wider scope that a lot of us are not even paying attention to for at least from, from that's the narrative that I subscribe to is that there's so much, something so much bigger than us that is creating this because really at the end of the day, capitalism reigns supreme always. If we're not living in the capitalism mindset, we're not living appropriately in the Western society. So in this bubble, right, we live in this big bubble and we're all in it. No one's excluded from it. We all live in this bubble that this is the way things go. This is how I want it to go to ensure that the narrative exists still, that we continue down this line. So in this process, yes, men are projecting this out into the world, this manifesting of, um, I need to be the provider, right? On the other side, there's also a projection of, I need to find a provider. So the, it's, it's mutual right now. Like it, there's no one at fault here. And even if, again, on the other side, the woman says, no, I don't want to be a provider. There's still, there's still some deep rooted things that are not being challenged that are, again, attracting a provider. Because so, that's the narrative. 
I'm supposed to do that. So there's, it's, it's working against both sides. The patriarchy works against both. It doesn't work just against one or the other. The patriarchy works against both. It's not for both. It's against both. And that's the hard part because that has lived for as long as we look back. And so that's why it's so damn hard. And that is why we come to this space that we are in now having this conversation, being frustrated, being passionate and being like, sweet bliss. Can we just stop playing the game? Can we just stop <laughs> exhausted? Can we just stop playing the freaking game? And I don't have an answer for that yet, but I, I, I'm working against it. I'm working against what's working against me because I don't want to do it anymore because it exhausts me. It, it, it feels like it actually kills me inside because I'm no longer present with the world. I can't, I can't obtain a partner because I'm doing these other things to try to get the partner. And it's like, and then I'm in my partnership that doesn't want it. And I'm still feeling that way. And I still got to fight for it. And I still, it's just the pressure is there. And it's, it's how often I have to challenge the narrative. And it's crazy to me, even in a position where the narrative isn't coming at me, I still feel like it's coming at me and I still have to fight it. I'm still at war. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts they're sharing blog posts it is a really powerful space so we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and google store it is tether t-e-t-h-r available on both app stores join the community i promise you will not regret it one thing i want to take out of kind of you know what you're saying there is being tired of playing the game you know, another way to look at it is understand the rules. Mm. Right. Because I, I, I think that it's hard to change the game, right? The reason why you come to a conclusion where you say, I don't know if I have the answer is because you don't know the committee to go to, to change the rules. None of us do mm. or the game. Sorry. You can't change the game, but you can look at the rules differently. Right. And so as a man, when you sit down and you reflect on your life and you, you look out, there's paths to take. If there is a desire for a provider and there is a desire for somebody who wants to be a provider and that, that works for you, go get it. Mm. If you want to be the provider and you want, and the person who wants a provider is like, I'm fully want to be in the nurturing space. I want to actually be like, you be the provider. I'm hundred percent good, good with being the nurturer. That team could work well together because they actually want each other. Mm. what's happening is a provider is getting with another person who's looking for a provider, but also doesn't want to uphold the nurturing side of things. 
they're like, no, but I want to do my own thing though. And I'm like, this doesn't work then this way. Like I'm, I, I will bust my butt, but if you're not also willing to carry the nurturing bag, then, and you want all this independence, you want all this, you want all that. Then it's like, well, what are we doing here? Like mm. you can't both be out of the house. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if, if you want to be the provider and you want to go attract someone who is like, yes, I'm fully interested in being um, the, the home giver, all of that. And that partnership works great. We're on the same page here. That's probably going to work. That tandem will probably win championships. Now, if you don't, you're struggling with this burden of being the solo provider, the, fa- the financial cost of all of that is, you know, too tough to burden. It's hurting you internally. Well, then what you need to become is someone who is self-sufficient in all capacities. Bit of provider, bit nurturer. You can take care of yourself. You can stand on your own legs because what you can attract now is someone who does the exact same thing. Part provider can stand on their own legs. And when you two come together, it works. You don't need me to take care of you. I don't need me to take care of you. We both provide. So when we both get into our our, our smaller providing roles, but together collectively it works, then there isn't the desire of being like, hey, honey, I'm at work, but you know how to take care of yourself. So mm-hmm. do your thing. Hey, honey, I'm at work. You take care of the kids. See how this team works well together? They don't need each other in that capacity. And they both lower the financial burden of one needing more than the other financially. They share the financial burden. They share the nurturing burden and they share the responsibility of the kids. New team, that team works. Mm-hmm. What's wrong is these people that are trying to, you're trying to rig the game. You're trying to play the rules wrong. Like you don't want to be the provider, but you don't want to be the nurturer. Okay. You have figured out how to, you know, take care of yourself and, and provide for yourself, but you also want a provider. Mm. Right. What? If you figured out the providing thing, why do you also need a provider? Like, don't you, and then you're upset. You're like, oh, my partner who's a provider. So let's, let's go the other way. Let's say this is a female. This is a female that's figured out how to take care of herself. She's a provider. She's got everything. She's a, she's a, she's a unit. She works together. She's perfect. She doesn't need anybody. And then she dates a provider, right? Who's all the way the other side. And she's like, you're never present. Where is your time? Where is this? Where is that? He's like, I, I am a full provider. I don't, I don't do this. Like, but that that individual isn't wanting to go after someone who doesn't make as much money, but is more complete. Like they're they're They take care of themselves. They're provided. They'd be a good father. They don't make as much money. Like they don't make more money than you for, for example, but they do all these other things, but we're not willing to accept that partnership to work. Mm-hmm. We want more than that. We want someone who's a provider and we want to force that provider to be more present and like stop doing the things that they did to get in that position in the first place. Like we're in this business of trying to change instead of align. Mm-hmm. We, we live in a place of trying to change people and change their ideologies and change who they are instead of finding alignment and alignment happens within first align yourself and then go and align yourself with someone. Right. Because at the end of the day, what it should be is two whole people coming together, not one half broken and the other half broken and, and trying to fill the void with the other person. It's like it, uh, what was just coming to me is like our desires come from our struggles or really for what I heard from that is our desires come from our, our voids, what you said. And, and in this space, you're like, I'm looking for a nurturer. It's like, yes, you're looking for a nurturer because you're not nurturing yourself. And so because you're not doing that, you're looking for someone to take care of that. You're looking for someone to do that for you because you're not doing it for you. And that goes down the line of, of all of the things that we've spoken about. You want someone to provide for you because you're not willing to provide for yourself. 
there's, 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 it's always seeking something that we're missing where what would happen if we started to just seek something that we want, not because we're missing it, but because we want someone to spend this with and to mirror back to us all of where we could be better and to walk the journey with us, not for us. And yes, of course, I, I love the fact that my partner is very nurturing and caring and, and loving 100%. But what that tells me is that if I, that's something that I am praising her for, that's also something I'm probably not doing for myself. Even in the relationship, I'm probably not doing that for myself. So now I rely on her. And once there's a reliance, there's resentment because there's not a lot of praise happening either, right? And even just this provider role, this thing we talk about, it's like, we're not being praised for being the provider. And on the flip side, we're also not praising the other side for taking care of all of the rest of the stuff. Like there's no, it's, it's just like this unspoken rule that you do this, you do that. And that's how we live. And no one says anything about it ever again. <laughs> Quiet desperation. Quiet goddamn desperation. It's hard. It's tough. It's tough. And it's this, it's this idea of bills and what came to me too, to add to this conversation. I don't know if, if you've all noticed listening, but what this conversation is really about is it's getting the truth out. It's, it's, it's no longer demonizing this process of sharing what is actually going on, what we actually feel. And for the men listening, um, I think what we're trying to do is just open up that space to be like, listen, talk about these things, get this out share this more, have these conversations because it's harming us that we're not. It's harming us as a unit, as a collective, it's harming. But the idea of bills in this thing, right? Bills and commitments, right? Yes, those are a big component. But what I find super fascinating about that is how much of our bills are beyond our needs, are beyond what we actually need. And it's this idea of capitalism, again, needing more, needing bigger, needing more, more cars, more houses, more room. And it's like, yes, that's beautiful. Have big, huge houses, but for what? Is it beyond your means? Because then, yeah, your bills are going to be horrendously large and you're going to live a tumultuous life of trying to live beyond your means. So that's another component, right? It's just like the, the patriarchal capitalism society says, do that. So we just keep trying to do more and more and more, but what do you need it for? Because at the end of the day, you end up going back into a small house anyway. You don't live in the big house at the end. So it's like, you, don't, you realize you don't need it. So what if we can realize we don't need it now? Then how big are our bills? They're probably half. So then our, you don't need to stress about it as much. So then being the provider isn't so grand. It's not 200K anymore. It doesn't require that much effort anymore, right? It's like, there's, there's other ways to combat this than just simply... Um, being like, okay, I should never want to be the provider. Like that's not the only solution. The solution is if that's something you deeply desire, do it. But know that if you're going to be on this journey of, I need more and more and more, that journey never ends because they're never satisfied with what you have. And that will lead to a space where we'll just end up harming ourselves in the process because mental health will just literally deteriorate because it's more. More is more, more is never enough. And that goes on both sides of the equation. That's everyone. We're all seeking more. I do too. I seek more. I'm literally like something simple as like plant some house. I want more. I have like 12, but I'm living beyond my means, right? It's like these little moments we just don't recognize. And then they lead up to these moments where it's like, whoa, I fucked up. I messed up. I'm stuck because I've obtained all these things. And now what? Mm -hmm. And now what? 
And like, and, and, and what are we trying to chase too, right? Like I often found when I was in my, my worst state or when I felt, you know, that I was, I was playing into society's desires for me a little bit too much. Everything I did was based on my insecurities and my, and to get validated, everything I did, who I talked mm-hmm. to, who I tried to attract, what jobs I tried to, you know, even, even small conversations. I just never lived in my truth. I would be working at a restaurant and someone would ask me like, you know, what are you doing? And I felt like I needed an elaborate lie or some, some big grandiose plan. I couldn't just be like, I'm in university trying to figure it out right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just bartending and, you know, I'm, I'm working at this restaurant. I don't really have a plan. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm thinking about. I, I felt like that question, regardless whether it was coming from a, a woman that I was trying to impress or, uh, you know, a, another alpha male that I thought, you know, I needed a great answer for or whatever the case may be. <laughs> you, you just live out of your ass for so long. You know, and it isn't until you finally just like sit down and go, hold up, man who's talking right now? Like, and can I, can I own my truth for like a second? Can I just own the reality of where I'm at? Right. And just embrace the fact that, okay, this is where I'm at in life. This is the, what I want to achieve. This is what I want to get good at. And this is what, you know, regardless of whether, cause at the end of the day, we all are a bit providers. We all need to provide something like our lost life doesn't go on. Like you have to do something to get something. We totally understand that but it's just the the burden of thinking that you need to do it all yourself. Like for me, for example, one thing that I struggle with is this idea that I'm trying to fix where I came from, but also create where I'm going. It's not just a one-sided financial problem, right? So it's like, how long, how long will it take for me to actually get into that space where I feel loved and secure. If I'm trying to fix two problems, I'm trying to show homage to where I came from and respect that space and make sure that they're all taken care of. But that doesn't mean that like, that I still need to be that guy who's a provider for the next chapter of my life too. So it's like, I'm getting pulled that way and pulled this way. Like I'm only human. How am I supposed to do these two things? Mm -hmm. How am I supposed to, rebuild what was broken and you know and everything in the world that's out there that i'm looking at is saying it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like no it's okay you if you just if you fixed your if you fix if you were like planning on taking your finances and fixing where you came from it'd be okay someone will come and like you'll they'll help build but they'll take the burden of what you're building while you fix what was broken nothing in the world says that that's a possibility like it's all it says is that you got to do both if that's what you want, you got to do both. No one's going to come and be like, hey, I know you're trying to fix what was broken before, but what, want to start building something over here and I'll start it for us? Like, I'll get it going. I'll get it off the ground. I'll start it. And then while you're fixing, you know, where you came from and your path and your upbringing, while you're giving them everything that they deserve, I'll start working on our future. And then you can come join this team. And we'll, nothing about society says that that's a possibility. So I internalize that as I got to do both. Mm-hmm. I got to go Hold fix up. that solo. and, then go, and then go create that solo mm-hmm. dolo by myself. I got to do that. Now let's play the game. <laughs> let's play the game and deal with what comes from the game. And then it's, it's, it's how long can you sit in that stress and that, and that anxiety long enough until, you know, you make decisions, you know, 
about the about the plan that you made. And so for me, it just is, it, it, it's almost stunted my ability to even date. I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I can't fulfill the finite, like I can't fulfill this provider role for who I'm dating because I'm, I'm actually like working on something that's broken. And there is no, like, there is no timeline on how I'm going to fix this broken thing. It's not like it's a guaranteed two years. Here's the number. You just like get the number and it's done. It's like, you're trying to help these people with like a lot of different things. And one so some people could say, forget about that, man. Like work on your life. You got one life to live. You know what I mean? But internally doesn't, doesn't align with me. <laughs> to all those people who would just be like, dude, live your life. You only live once. And you got to think about yourself. Like, you know, like just do you, do you. I'm like, what? No, that doesn't work. Like that doesn't work mentally. Like, and so for me, it's, 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 it's a battle internally that, you know, you, you deal with. And it's just like, how long until I can actually feel like I'm loved and I'm like, good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, cool. I got a, I got, I got this plan working. I got this plan working. Mm-hmm. I'm like happy now. I'm good now. You know, like now it's, now it's just the desperation without the quiet part. Like we're just working towards things and we're, we're providing and we're tackling problems, but this free agent period as a man sometimes is brutal. <laughs> like brutal. You're trying to get signed on a team. You, you, you need certain skill sets. Everybody's got their clipboard out. They're like, no, you don't fulfill that mandate. You don't fulfill that mandate. You're just sitting here, you know? And then for example, we have, you know, there was a comment that came through that I thought was very fascinating. The comment reads, and it's on the post of, you know, the, the, on our Instagram page, we posted the Joe Rogan thing. The, the, you know, the title is, you know, uh, most men live lives of quiet desperation. And we have a comment here that says, makes sense, but aren't you being a man by taking care of those responsibilities? And my wife and kids make me happier than I could, than I could truly imagine. It's interesting because it sounds like you're talking about the finish line, one, so you don't speak to any of the free agents that don't have the wife or kids to, to help them feel loved or happy. You also speak about, is it being a man taking care of those responsibilities? So you just speak to the fact that we need to do the thing to get the thing. That's not the conversation we're trying to have. We know that this blueprint works. It sounds like you followed the blueprint and you got the result. This is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Apparently this blueprint works, but we don't have another blueprint. There isn't another option that we feel is another route. Mm-hmm. This is the route that we know. Be, fulfilling these roles and responsibilities gets you a wife and kids, and then the wife and kids make you happy. We know that plan. We've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've known that one. That's not something that we're new to. That's not, that's not thought-provoking. What we're talking about is the struggle of trying to fulfill those responsibilities the challenge and the burden you have to carry to get to the point where you are desirable and like you are being drafted because you've done the thing. The journey is not being honored. The finish line is. And what we're saying is, is that if you've gotten to the finish line, good for you. Great. Happy for you. We're so proud of every man that's gone to the finish line and is feeling love and is feeling happy. That's great what we're here on this platform talking about is the men that haven't made the finish line. And to keep it in a metaphoric space have just quit the game. Mm -hmm. 
And something that I even want to add in there, because no, we're not there, but yes, in my, in my position, I can speak on it. It's yeah, you got those things. And yes, you know, the, this idea that we get to that position where um, we're doing the providing the correct roles that we're supposed to do and what we have the correct things we're supposed to have. And then what is not being spoken about is why do you think that there is such a mass, mass, massively large experience of men sitting, hitting 40 and 50 and being like, who the hell am I? Like, yeah, you got it. Perfect. You're 30 years old and you got it. That's great. You're 35. You still have it. That's great. But where were you in the process? Are you, you, you probably left the scene to be honest with you, but you don't feel like it because you got the thing. So you're like, yes, this is my identity. This is what my identity is supposed to be. And then you have an identity crisis at 40 and 50 and in 60. And you're like, who the hell am I? Am I even, this is what I want. All of these things. Cause you never found that during the journey. So it's like, yes, that's a, go and do that power to you. Love that. You found this purpose in this. That's great. Feel that. But just remember that that's not like you said, it's, it's, it's there's so many components and the journey doesn't end there, which comes back to that one quote we, we shared a while ago is that most men's, most men's life ends at marriage and kids. And, and this isn't to say that I know this person's reality that commented on our post, but it's, it, it is to say we don't see anything beyond it. So in this role, in this space of quiet desperation, we still live in the quiet desperation, even though we fulfilled that, even though we've, we've, we've cultivated and made sure that that will be our identity. Cause that's what identity is supposed to be a man who has a high paying job with a, a happy marriage and kids, but we don't speak of anything beyond that. So both sides of the equation is a conversation that's being had here it, um, in my eyes anyway, is, is yes, we're on this journey, you and I of, of cultivating this um, in separate pieces of the journey. Um, but the people that have feel like they've this man here who's completed the journey, I, I can't, I can't willfully say that he's happy or unhappy, but does he feel fulfilled by the process? Does he feel fulfilled? And does he see that there's more than that? Or is that it? This is my roles and responsibilities. This is the things I have. I'm done. I'm done. I'll just keep, I'll keep doing this till 65. And then I'll also, I'll also quit the job. Sometimes what I feel about masculinity too, to, you know, add to this specific conversation is I feel like masculinity is like being a parent, having three kids and disciplining them all the same way. And assuming that these kids don't have different personalities. They're not in different mm -hmm. circumstances. Like, you're, you, I feel like masculinity fulfilling this, this, this man box is like, there's one way being prescribed to all of us, even though we're all different. We all come from different circumstances. Mm -hmm. We're all getting disciplined in the exact same fashion where I think the evolution of where we need to be getting to is figuring out, all right, competition and hanging the, the carrot in front of the face works for some men and they succeed at it. They end up getting it. Some men aren't thriving in that bucket at all. They're not winning at all with that strategy. That blueprint is not working for them, right? And what we fail to do is that, can we create different blueprints? Can mm -hmm. we create different strategies for different men under different circumstances, right? It's easy to get to the finish line with a piece of paper of like, I was told to do this, 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 and this. I did it and I got the reward. Good for you. Great. I'm happy for you that that blueprint that was prescribed to all of us worked. What about the rest of us? What about the rest of us? 
you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's, 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 and then like, you know, you'll find a, you'll find a couple, right. Of a guy who isn't, um, let's say per se financially off at all, but he's jacked. I'm dating this guy. I'm like, he's jacked. That's why you're dating him. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have the money. Sure. You're supporting him through the financial thing, but he's jacked. So he's fulfilling one side of the masculine bucket and that's what you're attracted to him by. Let's talk about the average Joe. Not very muscular, not very financially off, just middle of the pack dude. What love is that guy getting in this world that we live in today? How seen is that individual? Because if you're not an athlete and you're not like a singer, songwriter, rapper, or you don't have, you're not funny or you're not jacked or you don't have like, you know, the financial means, if you don't fill any of those buckets, if you just kind of sit somewhere in that like middle of the pack, which is a lot of men, you are not seen in this world. You don't even exist. And it's those men that are struggling the hardest that are dying for a blueprint that works because the one that they're prescribed isn't working. It doesn't, it doesn't work for them. And I think that what we're trying to do as a conversation is to have the men who are finding success in the ways that they are finding success to speak about how they're getting that success in more detail, right? You often find that when you think that that dude was going through it and he whatever, and then you actually listen to a story, there was people that he was being vulnerable to. There's people that he was being emotional with. There's people that were guiding him quietly behind the scenes that you didn't see, but all you see is the, 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 the finish line. Right. We keep talking about, can we document the journey a little bit more so that other people can like learn a little bit more about how to fulfill the mandate, right? How to become more of a expressed individual, right? Because we're not show, we're not, we're not, we're not taught to showcase the journey. We're taught to showcase the finish line. And when you get to the finish line, we have this weird thing where we want to, we want to act like it was easy to make it seem like you're more of a man, Right. Often guys will get to the finish line. And when you talk to that dude at the finish line, I'm like, hey, dude, can you like, can you talk to me about the pain? Like you're gloating. Like you're like, yeah, yeah well, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like you start channeling this energy of just to be more masculine. It would be to get to this finish line and then make it seem like it was easy for me to get here. That would be the more masculine thing to do. Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started this like not that long ago. I picked it up overnight. Um, I did this. Ah, I had like two bad days, maybe like not even. You know, like to, to dummy it down, make it seem like it was easier. What I, what I struggle to hear out there sometimes is, you know, normalizing men talking about their journey and the struggles throughout and not having it look negatively on their masculinity, you know, and then being able to get to the finish line and tell the true story mm. of how they got there. That's where I think we would be able to create new lanes and new avenues for men to find themselves. Different roads to drive down, different routes to take to find that manhood. Like if you picture a map right now, I feel like manhood for a long time has been this like one road where like we're all just trying to jam into it and try to find our way into this lane. And I would love to see like five more highways open up to this route of masculinity and manhood. Like 
more options of how to get there. And when you get there, be like, yeah, I took that route, but it's still good. Like that route is, I don't lose my masculinity by taking route B versus route C, right? There's guys out there right now that have taken C, got to like their manhood and it's not being validated by the world because it's like they took the C route, not Mm -hmm. the A route. The A route is the one that is like really the man route. Like that's the real, that's how a real man does it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you got here. What route did you take? Oh, you took the sea highway. Don't know if you qualify, mate. Like, <laughs> don't know if you qualify if you went that route. And we're on this platform. What we're really trying to do is just create conversations that create conversations. You know, we're trying to do our best to share our our journeys, journeys that we're running into, people mm-hmm. that are doing a good job of highlighting. Joe Rogan is highlighting the pain. Mm-hmm. Something about that quote says he's hiding the truth. He's telling the truth. He said, I did this and then I realized I was fucking stuck, right? Mm-hmm. That's the truth. The more we can highlight that truth and the more we could, the one takeaway, and I think that, you know, that'd be a great place for us to kind of go is for me, the one takeaway about this whole entire conversation and what I feel about this, this, this whole ideology is that I'll wrap it up in, a, in, a, in, a, in something that Naval said, actually. He said, the way we think we get peace is by resolving our external problems. So the only way we actually get peace, but the only way we actually get peace is on the inside by giving up this idea of solving external problems. It's easier to change yourself than it is to change the world. And I truly align with what he's saying here. It's the provider complex, this masculine complex is us trying to like resolve our lives and our problems by fixing the external world. But the world has never ending external problems. They don't stop. They just mm-hmm. keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's the hamster wheel that you will die on if you continue to fuel it. But when you decide to get off that hamster wheel and go, I'm gonna try to find peace inside I'm going to try and fix my internal problems, the ones that I'm dealing with personally, not the ones that society is struggling with and I'm trying to fulfill and validate, the ones that I'm going through. And we all shine a mirror on our own personal problems, our insecurities, and we start spending months and years working on the things that, the traumas that we went through, the the internal conflicts that we've had to manage and the insecurities that we are dealing with personally when you start to live in that place a lot longer than you live in the society problems place, you find the peace that you're looking for. And you're therefore then able to align yourself with better partnerships, better friendships, better everything, because you have find some sort of internal peace. Right. And so finding that self-love and, 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 and not putting that on somebody else, you know, like I'm waiting for you to make me happy or, I'm waiting for you to nurture me or I'm waiting to be loved by you. That's been the biggest change for me is this idea that, hey, if I don't take care of myself, no one's going to take care of me. And it's when I do take care of myself, any companionship or friendship or mom, dad, any love that they give me is extra. It's extra love. And the more extra love you get in this life, I find sometimes the better your life can get but you need to do I first. You got to have love for yourself first. And then the extra love is just, it's extra. The term extra is key here. It's extra because you are loved by you. And you know, that's where I live now is I don't rely on other people to make me happy. 
I try to rely on myself to make me happy. And I try to rely on myself to love myself. And the results have like really shown up because I'm able to see things clearer. I can see intention clearer. I don't need you. I want you. There's more choice. Mm-hmm. It's such a crazy and powerful conversation we're having. And before I get to my takeaway, I appreciate you sharing that quote. And I think that it ties it all together so beautifully, uh, this idea. And I think what, if you've listened this this far, what you've recognized is we've obviously taken multiple routes and had multiple conversations within this. Um, and what Anwar just did is basically wrapped it around in the way in which we can start to navigate this as uh, as ourselves and as humans and together is is taking care of that that self love that self care like working towards that mindset. Uh, the unfortunate part is that what what I notice is that they don't want you to. They want you to rely. They want you to have reliance on to not be whole. So that way you constantly are purchasing and finding things to make sure that you can find the things outside of yourself to be whole. And if you can find that for yourself, it's looked at as, or it's very demonized because it's your truth and the truth is demonized in our world. So uh, it's definitely a tougher journey because you're going against the grain. You're swimming upstream. You're not flowing down and it's tough. It's definitely tough. Uh, One thing that I want to share as a takeaway, which is a practice that I put in place with my partner to help navigate this. Because one thing that we've recognized is in the space of financials, right? Financials are a huge stressor in relationships. We all know this are a huge stressor. Who's paying for what, what are we paying for? And over the process of people paying for things, um, there's the high possibility of resentment building up or the idea of, I have power over because I pay for X. And we noticed that and we didn't want to create that. So what we've done is we've ensured that we do 50-50 on absolutely everything. And that goes as far as when we go get coffee, we pay separately. And the reason that I want to share this practice is because I, I sometimes want to crawl out of my skin when we do this. Because what I recognize is that when you go and you're, you're in a partnership, right? The world expects you to be a unit and therefore you do everything as one person not two separate people that are whole. So when you go to a coffee shop and you order you know, $3 coffees, paying separately to the other I, the, the person that's out there, you, uh, what I end up doing, not you, but I guess in general, I feel like other people would probably feel this is I project the fact that they don't see us as we're together. And on top of that, they project it as I can't take care of her, which is hard to deal with inside my own head. But moving through that, what I recognize is that it's just a practice because over time it does get easier. And over time you start to do realize, oh, wait a second, this is working. And why is it working? Because no one feels like they have power over the other. There is no resentment for this person paying for that and me not giving any, anything towards it. We both equally give to the process. And the way that I, that I learned to see it yesterday in the book I was reading is um, it's not 50-50. We're not, we're not trying to reach a hundred because we already both have a hundred. So I'm giving a hundred and she's giving a hundred. And really what we're doing is get reaching 200. We're reaching more because if I'm only giving 50, I'm not giving a hundred. And so in that space, what it's just really working for us. 
and we're noticing the, the beauty behind it. So I just wanted to share that practice. And it's hard. I told you it's hard. You, you, you will feel judged and you will feel like people are watching you and you will feel less worthy in other people's eyes because you're not doing what they think you're supposed to do. And I've noticed it. I've literally watched the teller look at me like, what the hell? When we say we're going to pay separately, you can feel the resistance in them. And when you go to a restaurant and you say, Hey, can you split the bill in half? We're paying separately. You can feel it in them. You can see they're like, Oh oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I can do that because they're so deeply rooted in the idea that you pay as a man. So the, again, the reason I share this is because it's, it's, it's in support of challenging the narrative, challenging the narrative that it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. And yes, that will feel uncomfortable. It's like clapping your hands. You clap your hands. Okay. Well, one hand's on top, one hand's on the other. Switch that. Switch that and clap. How uncomfortable does that feel? Freaking uncomfortable because it's not what you've always done. And that's exactly what I'm doing in this process. And this practice is not doing what I've always done in order to support a new narrative. And in that, you know, I know your story, I know your story pretty well. And there's, I, I think there's an interesting part there that is, you know, missing from the equation and that if other people could, you know, hear that part, it would be uh, beneficial. I think that the part there too, is that you're not being quiet in your desperation, mm. right? Because you're navigating your own challenges and instead of taking on another burden, you're saying, hey, in order for me to get through these challenges that I'm facing, this is what needs to be in place, right? The splitting the bill, the like, I got, let me work through my stuff. Let's split the bill. Let's take care of the bill. I'm going to put my masculinity on the table and say, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to make the right decision for myself because for me, I have these things I got to take care of, which would be the equivalent of me saying to, you know, someone that I was together with being like, Hey, let's split the bill. I'm trying to do this for my family. And I actually, it's, I can't run two strategies at once. I can't put money away for my family and be paying full for these bills. Like I can't do both those things. So can we split this bill so that I can fulfill the strategy that I've already put in place, you know, because I can now get love in the short term and still fulfill my, my, my plan. Right. Cause I would have still eaten food by myself. Right. I just can't take on this extra burden or else it cripples my plan. Right. And so the, sharing of your, Hey, this is what's going on for me. And I think that this plan would work best for what's going on with me is the part that we're not doing as men is we're just, we'd rather just be like, I'll just take on an extra cost and mm -hmm. instead of telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. That's just such a, such a larger conversation, but I do want to counter that is that I didn't even create that idea. She did because Incredible. for me, I'm so deeply programmed into wanting to do what you just said is that it doesn't matter how down and out I am. I'm still going to provide. So I'm still going to pay. And I do burden. it sometimes burden. I'll go and I'll call a coffee shop and I'll pay That's the $6 that it is. Cause it's like, well, it's only $3, but it's not about the $3. It's about my self-sovereignty and her self-sovereignty and our ability to mutually come together a hundred, a hundred. I love that. That's a great practice. Uh, I think that it just shows so much about, you know, what you can do when you have real love and real honesty in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you're, you're crazy to think that if you can't lift 20 pounds that adding 20 more pounds is going to help. Mm -hmm. And as men, we do this all the time. You're already struggling the weight that you have on your back right now. Why did you think more weight is going to help? Mm -hmm. 
but it's our ego is not allowing us to just say, Hey, I need someone to actually take something off my back because it's too heavy. Cause we're worried about being someone immediately going, you're barely even a man then, huh? What kind of man would say that? Mm-hmm. And we are so allergic to that, that whole, that whole concept of just being someone saying like, that is the worst thing you could be told as a man is, is someone thinking that you're not a man is it, it feels like it's like our world is ending with someone were to ever come at us with that kind of comment or, you know, we're, our ego is so bruised by that. Um, last thing I'll say to kind of touch on your point, because it shows the, the journey of men, because there's, if you're a man out there, ask yourself how much of your, how much of your personality is hiding behind money and humor? How much of your personality and who you are as a human is hiding behind money and humor? Because what happens when a partner like yourself goes, hey, let's go 50-50 on the bill, because it's not necessarily about the money anymore. It's about the character, right? And a lot of us, are, we haven't developed our character because we've been in the rat race of providing for so long that when money is off the table, we don't know what exists there because we've been leading with that for so long. Leading with the, I can provide for you. I can provide for you. So when someone stares you in the eye and goes, I don't need you to provide for me, what else do you got? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Right? So in order for you to even lean into the idea and the concept of like erasing money as being what you sell as who you are and erasing the provider as what, the, 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 what the mirror is going to reflect to you is, do you even know who you are then if you don't have those things? If you're not a provider and it's not about the money, who are you? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself that question. There's a lot of guys who are moving with what I call fake energy. And what I mean by fake energy is you're only attracting those people in your life because you have money. If you took the money away, who the heck are you? And if you're hiding behind those walls, this is the conversation for you. The pressure is because you've put the pressure on yourself to be that become a more well-rounded individual, become someone who has a character and a personality and all these other things and has money, right? Then when money is off the table, you can lean on different things. You can lean on different parts about yourself, right? But when you're like, I don't have this going for me. I don't have this going for me. I don't have this going for me. I have to have the money thing going for me. Then that adds 10 times more pressure than even people who have a more well-rounded, you know, personality and character are Mm -hmm. dealing with, right? And that's something that I say, hey, listen, can you, could you talk to that girl without the money? And if you can't, what do you got to do to become that guy? Because mm-hmm. it will help you embrace this provider complex with a bit more grace because you have some stability to lean on. You got something to fall back on. Yeah, it's completely flipping the narrative. We spend our whole lives career first, character second, and then we get to a point in our lives where we realize character doesn't exist. So then we forget career and focus on character. And what we're saying is flip the narrative, character before career character before and then career will come if that's the route you choose but at least you know your like what you what you want your truth and flip that narrative rather than getting to that place where you're like 15 16 be like who the hell am i because you focused the whole time on career which provides not character which you feel doesn't provide what's up everybody thank you for tuning in to another episode of the modern masculinity podcast hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single wednesday our goal with this platform is to create a community 
to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember that it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.